Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Well, hi, everyone. This is Paul Gillen with Eric Schwartzman and the B2B Social Media Podcast. We're the co-authors of Social Marketing to the Business Customer. It's the first book devoted entirely to B2B social media marketing. We're kicking off a special series here on developments in and best practices for marketing to business customers online. We welcome your ideas and your comments, your criticism, and your feedback. Send it to comments at b2bsocialmediapodcast.com, and that address will be in the show notes. Eric, glad to be with you this week. Hey, meet you, Paul. This is like, uh, we're both so busy, this is like the only time we get to catch up. Exactly. We're out, uh, well, you've been out on the road doing uh, speaking and book promotion, and I very much appreciate all the uh, the work that you've been doing. And um, we're delighted with some of the reviews that are be- beginning to come in, and it's um, just a very exciting time with a new book in the market. But we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about some news that's going on uh, in the B2B social media world. And uh, we've got four topics to discuss here. And, Eric, I'll let you kick off the first one about um, some news about Alibaba. So for those of you who don't know about Alibaba, it's a social network uh, used primarily by uh, providers of raw materials in China uh, who export those materials to manufacturers abroad? And there's, you know, so we do cover it in the book. It's very different than the social networks that you know we use for social purposes or even for B 2 C sales. Like one of the things that's different about uh, Alibaba is unlike pretty much you know every other social network out there, there's no like feature. There's no user rating feature, and that's intentional. I mean, the reason they left it out is because relationships between manufacturers and suppliers are often proprietary, and so they felt as though those features would be misused by um, companies that didn't want their supplier relationships to be compromised by their vendors. Like, why would you recommend your vendor so that your competitor can, you know, maybe build a better relationship with them? Um, but the the item I saw that I wanted to talk about was this news about Alibaba um, committing uh, $4.5 billion to um, uh, investing in lo- logistics, so Alibaba is a social network. It's a place where you can find suppliers. It's a place where uh, suppliers can find customers. Uh, but they've tried over the past to spin off in a number of different directions. They tried a, a product called AliSoft, which was going to be a division that would have all sorts of software uh, for their uh, companies that use their service. But that kind of fizzled out. They tried something called AliBank. Uh, which was going to um, – they wouldn't actually provide the capital, but they would match um, uh, companies on the service with uh, banks. That kind of fizzled out as well. Um, but this next service um, is a, a way that they would be able to um, not necessarily provide shipping or warehousing, uh, but the speculation is that they would – what they would do is they would make it possible that when you do a trade on Alibaba – that um, if you're going to source that out through some sort of a shipping company, they'd match you up with a shipping firm and they'd take a cut. So, uh, you know, just kind of interesting because, uh, you know, the world of B2B social media is so different than B2C social media. And to see a firm like this really coming into its own, starting to add these new features, and, I mean, $4.5 billion is nothing to sneeze at, 
uh, I definitely thought it was worth worth mentioning on this podcast. Yeah, and this is, you know, Alibaba does not get the kind of visibility that uh, so many other uh, social networks do, but uh, they're, they're working in a very high-dollar realm. And this idea of uh, disintermediating uh, the channel and really becoming a pointer to uh, different kinds of services and providing value by directing customers to the uh, to the right provider is is what the internet is all about and it's one of the things that is creating so much disruption in uh, not just business but consumer markets as well. It'd be interesting to know if any of the listeners are using Alibaba. If you have any experience with it, we'd love to hear from you. I have a couple items on on LinkedIn, uh, which you know I'm a, a big fan of LinkedIn. It, they're doing some. Uh, the value for B2B professionals is just, there's so much value tapped in there. And uh, a couple of things that, uh, <laughs> that LinkedIn has introduced recently, one is a is LinkedIn Maps feature, which is, um, it's a very cool visual tool that enables you to uh, lay, uh, look at people in your professional network and, uh, and identify them by uh, their relationships to each other. So the areas that they may be in, uh, you know, the salespeople are clumped together, and the uh, or people who have worked at a certain company may be clumped together. Uh, people who are in certain geographies, certain industries, and then you can mouse over it and and look at the um, at the people you have worked with uh, by these different criteria. You have to do a lot of work actually to make this work well for you because you can rearrange the uh, the relationships and uh, group people by different categories. Uh, the the interesting thing I think about this is uh, the concept of social maps, and we're seeing that uh, begin to work their way into some high-end products. Uh, I saw something recently that IBM is using internally that enables people to uh, find other people within IBM, which is a very big company, 300,000 people, find other people within IBM who have areas of expertise. And the way it does this is the, the system actually looks at all of the different social interactions that they have, their blog entries, their tweets, the, the papers that they've contributed, uh, the uh, uh, maybe podcasts that they've done, but anything that they've published, internal or external to IBM that can be related back to them, is then uh, used to create a map of that person's expertise. And then you as a uh, as a user can define your areas of expertise and look for people who are similar to you and who possibly could be good partners for you on a project or who could, a- who could answer questions uh, that you ask. This LinkedIn app is uh, it's a little glitzy. It's a little, uh, a little bit of a show-off, uh, you know, graphical show-off type of uh, uh, project, but it does show, I think, uh, one more commercial implementation of social maps. And I think you can see, Eric, how this can be helpful in a lot of contexts. Okay, so I was really excited when I saw this. And, uh, you know, I, I went right over to LinkedIn, and you basically go to LinkedIn Labs. I'll have a link in the show notes to, you know, where, where you can sign up. And, um, and then what I did was, uh, you know, I, I gave it permission, uh, just like you would if you were using the Facebook API installing a website. And it visualized my LinkedIn connections. Now, now like you, Paul, you know, I've been on LinkedIn for, gosh, you know, since it started. And over the years, I've accumulated a pretty big group. I think I've got like 1,400 um, connections on LinkedIn. And what it basically gave me was a blob of information that tells me nothing really about anything useful at all. Um, He says, you know, what does it all mean? That's up to you. Well, honestly, Paul, I don't know about you, but I don't really have the time to go through this and try to figure out what the connections are. The colors 
do not indicate communities at all. Like I can't figure out why some people are red, why some people are green, why some people are blue. So, I mean, on the one hand, I think it's a great opportunity because basically what they're saying is, hey, we're starting to open up the API and we're starting to um, give you the ability to mine it and integrate it with other apps. But, uh, you know, to me, this is just a lot of smoke and mirrors. Didn't do anything for me. Well, certainly the user interface is uh, is not exactly intuitive. And, uh, yeah, I would say this is more of a uh, – this is more glitz than substance at this point. But I do think this idea of social maps and starting to integrate people's different social connections and, and find patterns that can lead to all kinds of things, whether you're looking for a job or a business partner or a lead – uh, is promising, and this is uh, a certain. I wouldn't call this even a version 1.0 attempt. It's about a version 0.3 attempt, but uh, but at least it is an attempt. Actually, I, I I agree with you. I would go even further and say that you know those maps are ultimately the promise of social networks to marketers, right? The promise of the social network to the marketer is not the ability to set up an account or you know plug information in, but rather take information out. And last week in our uh, first B2B social media podcast episode, number one, we talked about uh, B2B mobile apps and, uh, you know, got me thinking, I actually downloaded the Hoover's, uh, uh, um, the Hoover's iPhone app. I don't know if you've checked it out. Have you? No, not yet. So, you know, Hoover's, you go to Hoover's and you get access to this database, and it really is the B2B prospecting database. Uh, But the way that the app works, basically, um, it uses the GPS in your phone to show you on a map the companies that are by you, right? So now you're in LA, you can look at, you know, based on where you are, the companies that are around you, what their revenues are, what category they're in. And I was just thinking to myself, my gosh, if you could now overlay uh, information about your connections from LinkedIn against that data in an app like that. Mm-hmm. And you could see not only the companies that are close to you, but who you know that knows someone at those companies. You know, the ability of adding, you know, not just the relationships, but the geo data together, how incredibly powerful that would be for B2B sales prospecting. Now, one of the uh, the aspects of uh, mobility that I think is is really powerful and exciting is this uh, idea of location awareness and being able to tie that into uh, other searches that uh, that you may be doing and certainly if you're a um, you know if you're a salesperson and you're on the floor at a at a conference uh, and you can look up and find out uh, people whom you have a connection with who are also at the same conference you know imagine what that does to the uh, to the prospecting process yeah, I didn't really think about that. That's another great application. But it's interesting, you know, once you start to take information that for so long had not been connected to spatial logic or um, that had not really included anything about who you know that knows that information, how much more useful it becomes. And, and I, you know, one of the things uh, I think we talked about last week was um, the way that Amazon had integrated the uh, uh, Facebook API so that you could see you know, your friends' birthdays and based on their profile data, what you might want to buy them for their birthday. You know, that makes a lot of sense. It's pretty straightforward. But when you think about how you'd apply it to B2B, it's quite different. Um, and it wasn't really until I downloaded this, this uh, Hoover's app and started playing with it and then looked at this um, new LinkedIn in-maps uh, thing that they put up there in LinkedIn Labs that I really had the aha moment that, wow, this really could be so useful. 
Absolutely. Now we have uh, something moving on. We have a, a, a article on the price of unwanted ad clicks, Eric, that you pulled out. It's a really interesting uh, point about how Google talk about disintermediating. How how Google is, uh, is how important it's become in the lives of its advertisers. Well, I mean, really, what the story is about is um, session-based clicks. And if there's anyone uh, listening who does PPC, uh, you know, when you sign up for a pay-per-click campaign, you have the option of including session-based clicks or shutting down session-based clicks. Basically, what that means is that if you include session-based clicks, if someone searched um, a, a query in Google... Uh, and your ad came up against it based on the fact that you were bidding that that keyword, and then they did another search later, your ad might come up as well. So your ad may come up against a different search at a different time as long as it's in the same session. And so the story that ran in the Wall Street Journal last week was all about, you know, B2B marketers crying poor about the fact that, you know, they see a lot of their clicks are coming from searches that they're not buying. And uh, the angle that the Wall Street Journal reporter took, um, Amir Efradi, was, uh, boy, you know, are they going to see a lot of their revenue go away because of these, uh, the fact that, you know, ads are being served against searches that aren't indicative of a buying need. And, you know, I kind of took all that with a grain of salt. But the reason that I wanted to uh, talk about it here is because, um, you know, if you don't know about this, if you don't take the time to turn off session-based clicks... Uh, you're going to see probably as much as 12 to 14% of your PPC, PPC budget wasted. 12 to 14%, really? Uh, that's what, that's what the article says, yeah. This is a, an option that's turned on by, by uh, default. You have, to, you have to go in and turn it off. That's correct. You do. So it is session-based clicks are on by default. The other thing that's uh, on by default is broad match category. And if you go for broad match category, that's also going to make you come up against, I think, like searches that are related to the initial initial search, but not necessarily the word that you bought. And when you go into uh, Google AdWords and you're looking at the words you can buy against, you can set it for broad-based. And, you know, if you do set it for broad-based, you're going to get broader terms. So, I mean, I think, you know, it's just the fact that people kind of don't understand this stuff. They're waking up to it. And the category that is most frustrated is um, uh, the medical category. Uh, why is that? Because different procedures maybe, uh, 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 I, I don't know, maybe because people don't, don't necessarily specify the procedures they're looking for? People using John, John, John Perlman, uh, a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon, suspended his AdWords account last year after he found out he was charged for what he called irrelevant search terms such as Olivia Newton-John photo and tattoo removal Studio City. But the thing is, if he's got his account set for session-based clicks and broad match category, then the person who searched Tattoo Removal Studio City at some point before that in the session searched for plastic surgery or one of the or one of the words that he was bidding. So, and and they, they get to that at the end of the article. So it's you know one of those things where you got mainstream media sort of you know blowing the bugle, beating the drum to try to get you interested in a story, and then towards the end you realize, my God, uh, you know. Performance varies from advertiser to advertiser, and session-based clicks and broad match category perform comparably well to non-session-based clicks, but you just got to turn it off if you don't want it. Oh, Eric, you're such a spoil sport. This was such a sexy story, and you just made it mundane. <laughs> I think I am going to be the cynic, and you're going to be the optimist. On this <laughs> that's a good role. Uh, there's, uh, it, it, you speak of search, how that's evolving, and 
uh, how advertising is intersecting, uh, how uh, search advertising is intersecting with social advertising. That actually leads to a, a last item we want to discuss here, which is a, a new LinkedIn uh, service that targets, uh, th that is a much higher granularity of ad targeting uh, based on all this data that LinkedIn collects about you, about your about your job and your uh, your past jobs, your areas of expertise, the groups you belong to, uh, geographic component, and they're now making it possible to target advertising against a very specific demographic information and even to some extent psychographic information. You can see this being expanded to include perhaps the keywords that you use in your answers, uh, the keywords that you search on, uh, other characteristics of your social network, people you're close to. And they're delivering, you know, a very compelling advertising story now saying that we can find, uh, we can deliver to people who have a very high granular, a very fine granular level of interest, uh, such as uh, programmers who work uh, in Java and who live in the, in the uh, you know, south of Chicago. Uh, and that is, um, Facebook is doing the same thing. And I think for, you know, for marketers, this is going to become an interesting a new dynamic in the uh, in the advertising area, which has been largely a default of going to Google uh, PPC click for the last five years. You're now beginning to see some very rich options emerging. Yeah, I mean, I think they basically just stole a page from the Facebook playbook because if you look at the Facebook ads, you can target based on interest, you can target based on likes, and uh, the targeting now is getting real good. Now, unfortunately... You know, it's not good enough yet to actually buy a DMA. They're only by state at this point. So you can't actually go for a city. Um, but you can go for a state and you can go by job title. And, you know, I found this uh, blog post here about this by this guy, Marty Weintraub, on searchenginewatch.com. And he was talking all about how you could actually use this tool to uh, poach your competitors' employees. Absolutely. Absolutely. You could deliver ads to, to your competitors' employees. Your competitor would never, never even know about it. And the way he said uh, that he was doing it is basically um, you can target specific companies. Um, so what you do is you search in Google for companies that provide those services. And then if they come up on the first page, you know that, well, they're pretty, they're SEO. They probably are a good company. And then you use the companies that come up on the first page of the search results as part of your buy. And he says, the more a company optimizes their discoverability for Google, the more vulnerable they become to the competitive tactic. Absolutely. It's, it uh, changes, you know, little, little changes in technology have big changes, uh, that, that big ripple effects that come out the other end. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, for B2B marketers, LinkedIn is, I think, often underappreciated as an advertising medium. This is not an advertising podcast, but this is, uh, there was one interesting discussion I had with a marketer who, uh, at the IEEE, which is a group for engineers, who used LinkedIn advertising to reach people who were professional engineers and found that it outperformed any other form of advertising they were doing by at least 30%. And that's because they could deliver a message in a context of somebody being in a group, for example, in a group for engineers, uh, and a very specific type of group, and they could reach them with a message that was that was optimized to their uh, their career as an engineer. So um, there are interesting new advertising options emerging, and I think LinkedIn search is sometimes underutilized. Uh, people don't realize how the richness of LinkedIn search now with open groups. On LinkedIn, a new uh, 
development in the last month that some uh, many groups uh, on LinkedIn are now opting to open themselves up to the public. You can now to be, begin to search within groups, within conversations within groups, and find what people are talking about in that professional context. And um, you can target the ad buy by groups as well if you want to buy by groups. But, you know, in the beginning of this blog post by Marty Weintraub at Search Engine Watch, he says, for quite some time, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn direct ads was the butt of PPC marketers' jokes, sporting terrible ROI, high cost per click, and abysmal click-through rates. Now, I, I, I don't debate that. I mean, he probably knows better than me. But I, I'll say, you know, the few ads that I've ever received – on LinkedIn, I've clicked on almost every single one. Really? And I've always thought to myself, my God, this is a great advertising channel. I, uh, I hang out in a number of LinkedIn groups these days for in conjunction with some uh, contract work I'm doing. And I find the, uh, the level of the discussions there to be very high, very focused, uh, high quality. I was looking at one for sales the other day. Someone asked, uh, how do you, uh, what, what are tactics that a salesperson should never use? And there were over, I believe there were over 200 responses to that question. And I'm scrolling down, looking through these responses, and they were awesome. They were, it was good, solid, professional advice. So, uh, yeah, I'd say stay away from the, the uh, groups that anybody can join. I mean, you want to look at groups that do uh, limit their membership or that do have an approval process. But uh, you can find some, some very high-quality stuff going on in LinkedIn groups. I've actually been spending a lot of time in the B2B online marketing group. And, um, you know, they've actually, they have a, a promotions tab there. And what there's, so they have the discussions tab, the members tab, the promotions tab. I don't know if the promotions tab is customized or not. But the thing is, there's a really good moderator there who chimes in when there's something that she thinks belongs on the promotions tab and gently, but, uh, you know, forcefully says, look, you know, this doesn't belong here. You really should put it on the promotions tab. And so you really see the quality of the conversation on the B2B online marketing group trending upward. I mean, I think it's really good. Whereas on those uh, groups where there's not a lot of uh, moderation going on, you know, not a lot of management, you see more of these people sort of trolling for links with these, um, very promotional or solicitous uh, posts. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of spam that goes on in LinkedIn, uh, but, but much of that is in the groups that, uh, that have open enrollment and there are no barriers to get in. And it's such a subtle difference. Like sometimes someone will be uh, posting a link to a blog post or posting a, a link to the webinar, but rather than saying, here's a webinar, click below to sign up, they'll ask a question about what you think they should cover in the webinar. And then they'll just put the link below. And those ones tend to ride, whereas the ones that are, you know, click here to read my pod, my blog post or whatever, those are the ones that get flagged for moving over to promotion. So it really is a very subtle difference, you know, this idea of being conversational rather than solicitous, which, you know, uh, Brogan and, and, and Smith talked about in Trust Agents. Yeah, and I think they, they did a great job of laying out the value there, uh, the value of giving to get. And it's one thing that we see these days. I had a, uh, an email uh, a few weeks ago from a company that uh, is competing against a competitor. I won't name names here, but a competitor that is doing uh, an excellent job. It's a B2B technology company that's doing a fantastic job of giving away content, helpful, valuable uh, worksheets and tip books and e- and ebooks, giving away content as a way to promote its, its – um, 
uh, its expertise. And its competitor now, which used to be the market leader, is no longer the market leader, is now frantically trying to give away whatever content it has, stuff that has been considered prized corporate assets. Uh, it is giving away now in a frantic attempt to try to catch up to this competitor. So the rules really are changing, aren't they? They are indeed. Um, so I guess we should wrap it up. But before we do, I just want to uh, put a word out there to listeners and say um, we are going to be giving away a copy of the book for free uh, to the first um, comment we get uh, on the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com to this podcast. Uh, this is B2B social media podcast number two. Um, also, just want to let people know if anyone's going to be at a social media week in Rome next week, I'll be there teaching some workshops. We'd love to go to your session. We'd love to have you at mine. And um, just reach out and let me know at Eric Schwartzman on Twitter or any other contact information on the uh, blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. And I just put in a quick uh, plug. If you have read Social Marketing to the Business Customer, uh, we ask that you post reviews on Amazon. We love Amazon reviews, good and bad. I mean, tell, uh, tell us honestly what you think. But uh, we do want to hear back from you. And uh, a few minutes of your time would be much appreciated by, by us poor, starving authors. Come on. We're not starving. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm, I'm on a diet. I'm trying not to eat. You could have to lose weight off here. we be on a pasta diet next week. <laughs> we'll be on an all-pasta diet next week. <laughs> All right, so guys. I guess that wraps it up now for uh, B2B Social Media Podcast number two. This is Paul Gillen signing off for this week. And Eric Schwartzman, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com on Twitter at OnTheRecord, or send email to OnTheRecordPodcast at gmail.com.